0: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Hope you're all doing well out there here in the Auburn-Opelika area. If you're up in the Birmingham-Silicaaga area, hope you're all doing well as as well. And uh, anybody else listening, hope you're doing good uh, staying safe and uh having a good day it's hump day as it is uh wednesday we are almost through the midweek here it is april middle of april you know it is going by fast going by fast already lot to talk about today here on the wednesday edition of on the line i appreciate everybody tuning in whether you're on the radio dial on the live stream on the website or on the app anybody tuning in i appreciate you a little bit of a uh Frantic start, but we are here. Don't you worry. We're here. So if you want to call in anything on your mind going on in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Whatever you want to talk about, if it's the NBA, if it's Auburn, football, basketball, baseball, softball, golf, anything on your mind, I want to hear from you. Give me a call. We'll talk about it. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I want to start off today with the play-in games that happened last night in the NBA. Of course, I talked about it yesterday here on the show. And two games yesterday went down in the NBA. Of course, the winners of... These play-in games get into the playoffs. That's what the play-in games are for. Uh, with the NBA having a new format to get into the postseason, instead of it just being one through eight, it's now one through six, with seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds now having a a so-called play-in tournament. And, and it's not technically the playoffs. And I think this is kind of crazy. They talked about it last night on the broadcast how these play-in games between the seven, eight, nine, and 10 seeds when they're playing each other to get into the playoffs. While they are, they're not regular season games, but they're also not technically postseason games, and so anything that happens in these games is kind of in its own little record book, if you will, where if you, let's say you break the playoff game scoring record in one of these play-in games, it's not actually a playoff record, and it's not a playoff victory. It's not considered a playoff game. But it's also not a regular season game. So I think that's kind of weird. And if you watch the games last night, uh, it was Cleveland and Brooklyn and then the Los Angeles Clippers at the Minnesota Timberwolves. If you watch these ball games, they seemed like playoff games. They were playoff atmospheres with playoff-like effort from these NBA squads. From the players, from the coaches, from the fans. The entire thing seemed to be... Like it was an NBA or like it was an NBA playoff game. But yet the play in tournament is technically technically not the postseason. So take that as you will. I think it should be considered in the postseason because it is. Because not everybody's playing in these games, and you're fighting to get to the playoffs, but this is the first start. It's like in March Madness. The the first four that happens up in Dayton, Ohio, that's still considered March Madness. That's still considered the NCAA tournament. Those are still NCAA tournament teams. They still get to put in their record books that they made the NCAA tournament. Even if they don't technically make it to the big bracket, they're still in March Madness. March Madness is written across the floor. So that is still considered the NCAA tournament. And so I think that the play-in games for the NBA should be considered part of the playoffs. Because it is. Because... You have to earn the right as a 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed to get into the play-in games, to try to get into the playoffs. So I still think it should be considered playoff basketball. But it was not. And last night in Game 1, the 7 and 8 seed game in the East, it was the Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, having Auburn's Isaac Okoro on their squad. He has had a fantastic young career for Cleveland. They traveled to Brooklyn to take on a Brooklyn Nets team that has been reeling all season long due to injuries. Of course, Kyrie not playing with his situation. Uh, they traded James Harden because that experiment uh, just just fell out. I mean, it, it was a dumpster fire experiment. It did not work. Uh, they traded him to Philadelphia. They now have Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, who has not been playing yet uh, for Brooklyn. But this Nets team has two of some of the best players in the entire NBA Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, those two guys just are just some of the best players you will ever see play the game of basketball, and they did so last night as the Brooklyn Nets, they beat Cleveland 115-108. to They advance into the playoffs. They will be the seventh seed to face off against the Boston Celtics. What a fantastic series that's going to be uh, if you're an NBA fan and if you're a Brooklyn or a Boston fan. I mean, just an absolute dime of a tournament and a first round matchup for 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 the east the 7 and the 2 seeds boston and brooklyn so fantastic game last night's game was extremely good uh between brooklyn and, and cleveland if you didn't watch it uh if you didn't watch last night's and you're looking for something to watch tonight i recommend that you watch these play in games because they are nothing like the regular season already high intensity defense uh, There's a lot of fouls called in the second game yesterday, but that's just that is what it is. But high intensity defense, uh, high level offense, and just good basketball. You see, in the regular season, teams are scoring, I mean they score 120 to 130 points a game, and that's just where the NBA has come. I mean, teams score 100 points every night. That's nothing new in the NBA. That's where the game of basketball has gone at the professional level. But instead of scoring 120 to 130, it was 115 to 108 in this first game. And it came down to the wire. Brooklyn was on top of Cleveland almost the whole way. But then late in the game, Cleveland was able to come back and still make it a ball game and had to foul late. And it was free throws for Brooklyn that sealed the win. But the defense was there. Every possession, the defense was there. And Brooklyn does end up getting the victory. They move on again as the seven seed into the playoffs. They will have the Boston Celtics in round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Cleveland, as the so called eight seed in this play in tournament, they now have another chance to get in. They will actually get to come home. Cleveland gets to go back home. As the Cavs will get to host the winner of tonight's game, Charlotte and, and Atlanta. So, Charlotte and Atlanta being the nine and 10 seeds, they will play. Winner goes to play Cleveland in Cleveland tomorrow night. Loser goes home. And, or maybe the, it may be Friday night. It may be Friday night uh, when that, I think it will be. I think those games will be on Friday. So, Charlotte and, and Atlanta play tonight. We'll preview that game here in a little bit but they will go and play Cleveland. That's 100%. Loser goes home. The winner will go and play Cleveland, and the winner of that matchup will become the eighth seed in the playoffs. They will get the Miami Heat as the one seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. The other game from last night was, it was a barn burner. It was an absolute dime of a game. Minnesota Timberwolves hosting the Los Angeles Clippers. Final score, of Minnesota 109-104 to 104 over the Clippers, and in that first half, I watched more of this game than I did of the Nets and Cavaliers. I got home a little late from uh, calling Lee Scott baseball, so I caught the late end of the Nets and Cavs game, but I watched all of the Clippers and Timberwolves. The first half, Minnesota got in horrible foul trouble. Carl Anthony Towns, of course, he is their absolute best player, uh, the dominant big man out of Kentucky. He got four fouls in the first half, and in the NBA... If you don't know, you get six fouls in the NBA. You get five in college, but you do get six in the NBA. But they left him in after picking up two. And then they left him in after picking up three. And then he picked up a fourth. And then they finally said, okay, maybe we should take this guy out. So they finally take him out after getting his fourth foul. He was in foul trouble. Uh, More people were in foul trouble. Anthony Edwards, he didn't really have foul trouble. Russell had, D'Angelo Russell had foul trouble. Patrick Beverly had foul trouble. And when you looked at it, this, I mean, there was a good chance with all of the foul trouble and all of their players being on the bench at one point, their starters anyway, being on the bench, there was a legitimate chance for this Clippers team with Paul George to run away with this game early and just never look back. But that didn't happen. That never happened. Minnesota was able to hang in hang around, hang in the ball game, and with the defense, that's, it literally was the defense last night in this game between Minnesota and L.A., the defense kept Minnesota in it and just threw Paul George off enough, because he's a fantastic player as it is, but they threw him off enough to where Minnesota was in the ball game. And they continued to do so. Their players came back in the second half. Yes, they still had foul trouble, but they did what they had to do. The young superstar Anthony Edwards, of course, coming out of Georgia, he had one of his best games all season long. He scored 30 points, 10 of 21 shooting, 5-11 from deep, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. I mean, he did it all. He had four fouls as well. But he picked him up as the game went on, and his hot shooting, especially from the three-point line early, kept Minnesota in this ball game. They really did shut down L.A. Paul George still got his points; he still got 34 points, but he shot 10 of 24, which is not great. He did shoot six of 12 from three, which is good, but that's because he caught fire late. Um, but Minnesota—they win. They beat L.A. 109 to 104. They now move into the NBA playoffs. They are your seventh seed in the Western Conference. They will have the Memphis Grizzlies as the two seed. That will be your matchup: the two and seven in the West. It is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves of uh, because of the result last night. And so, what this means now is the Clippers will now go and play the winner of tonight's matchup. San Antonio, the Spurs versus the New Orleans Pelicans. That game will be tonight. The winner of that will go to L.A. The Clippers will go back home. So the winner of the Spurs and Pelicans will go to L.A. Friday night. They'll play that game. Winner gets into the playoffs as the eight seed. They will have to play the Phoenix Suns. And all the losers from here on out go home. So, NBA, I mean... It's playoff atmosphere right now. It's playoff basketball. Whether they consider it playoff basketball or not, it is playoff basketball. And I enjoy it. I really do. And I want to hear from you guys. Do you watch the NBA? Do you watch the playoffs? Why do you watch it? Why do you not watch it? Uh, are you kind of like me and you keep up with it during the regular season, but really watch it in the postseason? Uh, do you not watch it at all? I want to hear from you guys. I do. I want I want you to be a part of the show and call in and uh, give me your opinion about it. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Look, I'll, I'll admit to you guys, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The NBA regular season, it's just eh. It's eh. You know, it's eh. It's all right it's okay there's some good matchups you know especially on the weekends sometimes um you can get like a sunday afternoon game where you know miami's going to boston or something like that you know just a good matchup uh the warriors and the lakers you know a good matchup where you can say okay i'll sit down and watch this but the the intensity and the and the level of play is not very high in these regular season games but it's like a switch is turned on when the playoffs come on you would and you would say well yeah I would hope so and it is it's true because now it actually means something most of these teams can just kind of you know dilly-dally around enough to make the playoffs and get where they want to be seating wise and then they can do it and turn it on in the postseason and that's exactly what you're going to see in this NBA playoffs I think look I think that so far, with just the two games last night, I like the play-in idea. It gives two more teams a chance to try to make their case and make the playoffs. Uh, it worked out really well in the East. I think I talked about this yesterday. It worked out really well in the East because all of the teams have an above 500 record. The two teams you're going to see tonight out of the West, the Spurs and the Pelicans, they're, they're bad, folks. They are, they're bad. They are not good. They are both at least 10 games under 500 which is not a playoff basketball team. That's just not That's not a playoff-worthy team. And look, that's going to happen, especially when you adjust the rules to get more teams a chance at it. It was created for teams like in the East that you saw last night and tonight, especially tonight, two teams in Charlotte and Atlanta who are seven or eight games above 500 that say hey we deserve a chance too and so that's why they did it that's why the NBA created this system but now you know you also have the the flip side of the coin where the West is well now there's two teams that are 10 games under 500 and all they have to do is win two games and they're going to get to the playoffs where they'll then get swept by the Phoenix Suns yeah that's just kind of how it is you can't get it's not going to work out perfectly every time and so It'll be just fine. It's going to be fine. I think the playoffs, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about this some, some more here in a little bit. The playoffs, I think this year, have a really good chance to be really, really good in the NBA. Most of the teams, top to bottom, one through eight, that once it's solidified and once it is set in stone uh, by Saturday, I think all of the teams really do have a chance to make some noise and do some damage uh, in this NBA playoffs. So, again... If you guys tune in, I want to hear about it. Who's your team? Why do you watch the NBA? Why do you not watch the NBA? I want to hear from both sides because I'm kind of down the middle. You know my, you guys know my stance on it. And I want to hear from you guys. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the hour. We'll come back and uh, we'll have another segment. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Wednesday, April 13th. It's hard to believe we're almost two weeks into the month of April. Time flies when you're having fun. But we just talked a little bit about the NBA, but some um, some more relevant news today. Of course, everybody who follows the NFL is aware of... The Baker Mayfield situation with the Cleveland Browns and how for years that seemed to be an unbreakable bond between the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. And I've talked about it on here. We used to talk about it quite a bit in the last couple of weeks uh, that Noah Gardner was still here. Of course, he's a big Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, so we used to talk about that quite a bit. He would, uh, <laughs> I would always kind of poke the bear a little bit and get him woken up about his feelings about the Cleveland Browns. But I always talked about how Baker Mayfield is probably the only guy in the entire NFL that... How do I want to word this? You're never going to find somebody for a long, long time that wants to play in Cleveland as bad as Baker Mayfield did. I think that's the best way to put that. And I think it's true. I mean, he truly wanted to be in Cleveland. He truly wanted to play for the Browns, try to win the Browns a Super Bowl, and he put his life on the line. He put his body on the line for that organization on numerous occasions, his entire body has been just beat up. I mean, just broken in half, it seems like. He's always hurt. He's always scrambling. But yet, he comes back every single week, every season so far and has wanted to be a Cleveland Brown. Obviously, now, the Browns said, nah, we're good. See you later. And they're done. They don't want anything to do with him anymore. And Trevor, my show producer, was just telling me during the break about a podcast that Baker had done today where he came out and said um, the Browns told him one thing and then did another. And so, what I would take from that is in their meeting, the Browns said, or, you know, and again, this would be my assumption. Obviously, we don't know the details of what happened in the meeting, but based off of that, the assumption would be. The Browns told him they want him there. We're going to take care of you type thing. We want you to be our quarterback. Baker said, yeah, that sounds good to me. And then they turned around and did something completely different. Obviously, they don't, I mean, he's not there anymore. They don't want him there anymore. And that's pretty crappy, man. I mean, that's pretty crappy. I understand that, look, at the end of the day, these professional leagues and these professional teams, no matter what the league, it's a business. And it is. It's a business. Hard decisions have to be made. Bridges have to be burned. And I get that. But man, I just don't think Baker Mayfield was the right guy to make mad. And the right guy to say, you know, see ya. Like, sorry. Sorry, man. And if you're the Browns, I really think you screwed up. I do. I think the Browns screwed up. Not that Baker Mayfield is the best thing you've ever seen. He is a solid quarterback, though. He's a solid quarterback. He's a top-half quarterback in the league. I mean, that's 100%. He's a top-half quarterback. There's 32 starting QBs. He's going to be in the top half. And the Browns letting him go, and if they did what he's saying they did, they told him one thing and then did another, that's pretty hurtful. That's pretty disrespectful to a guy who has done everything and has brought your franchise out of doomsday. And, I mean, this franchise... Five, six, seven years ago was the laughing stock of the NFL. Remember the 0 16? I do. I do. I remember that. Do you remember when it was a joke when a player would get drafted to Cleveland? You say, well, there went his career. I do. I remember that. I remember because I lived in Ohio. I grew up up there. People, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, it was embarrassing. You didn't tell people you were a Browns fan. You cheered for him secretly at your house in a closed bedroom door because you were a Browns fan and it was not something that you were happy to be or proud to be. But now, the narrative is completely flipped. Being a Browns fan is cool. And I get it that there's, that's been the narrative and it's hard for people to see differently from the narrative. But look at the Browns. They're a legitimate team. They're a legitimate franchise. And I'm not saying they weren't then. Every team goes through a slump like that. You're seeing the the Detroit Lions go through it right now. But the Browns now are relevant. They make the playoffs, or at least contend to make the playoffs. They have or have had studs across their roster. And guys want to go and play in Cleveland now. And the guy who wanted to do that the most was Baker Mayfield. The guy that you drafted to change your franchise was Baker Mayfield. And that's exactly what he did. And now this team is in the mix in the AFC North every single season. One of the most competitive divisions in football right now with the Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, and the Browns. That's one of the most competitive divisions in all of football. And the Browns are in the mix. And the guy that you brought in to change that narrative, who did his job, who put his life on the line for you every single Sunday, put his body on the line for you every single game... And you told him, we want you to be here, we're going to take care of you, and then you don't? What does that say about the organization? And again, we don't know exactly what went down in those meetings. I mean, Baker may have misinterpreted. They may have said one thing and done another. Who knows, right? Who knows the actual conversations that went down? It's only the people in the room. But I don't think Baker's going to come out and Baker Mayfield, I don't think he's going to come out and say these things if they didn't happen. Because, again, nobody wanted to be in Cleveland more than Baker Mayfield. And they told him, we want you to be here, and now here we are. Right? Here we are. The Browns have said, Sirenara, like, Thanks for your, thank you for your service, and that was it. And I, that just blows my mind. It blows my mind that Cleveland would do such a thing to a guy who wanted to be there and win for them so bad. I don't know. That's my take on it. What do you guys think? I want to hear from you. Your take on the the whole Cleveland Browns-Baker-Mayfield situation. It's a wild one. I'll admit, what's your opinion on it? I do want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you have an opinion about that or anything else going on in the sporting world, give me a call. I want to talk to you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We can talk about anything you want, but Trevor was telling me that during the break and I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy because obviously it was ugly when it went down and everybody was like, Man, I can't believe that really happened. Um, but with him coming out and saying some things about Cleveland where they t- they said one thing and did another, that's pretty harsh. And, and, and that hurts. That hurts, especially if you're a guy like Baker Mayfield who has done more than what was asked of him in Cleveland. And he has exceeded expectations. Again, I understand that Baker Mayfield is not going to be your – Noah would kill me if, for saying this. He's not here, though, obviously. But if you're listening, Noah, I'm about to say something that's going to make you mad. I don't see him as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He can be a franchise guy. He can take your team and make them good, make them consistently good. I don't see Baker Mayfield winning a Super Bowl. I just don't. I don't see it, right? But he's a good guy to take a chance on, who can make your team better, to bring in guys to where then maybe, maybe he can win a Super Bowl. I don't think it'll happen, but it's a possibility. Look what he did with the Browns, and look at the guys that the Browns brought in to put around him at the receiver position, at the running back position, and on the defensive side to give them support on that end as well. Baker Mayfield is a guy that people want to play with, and he's a guy that wants to win and win at the biggest stage and at the biggest level and win a Super Bowl. He wanted to do that in Cleveland, but obviously they didn't want that they didn't want to do it with him. And whatever went down, I'm not saying he's 100% innocent because he may not be, right? He may not be. Who knows? But from the outside looking in, it doesn't look pretty on the on the side of Cleveland and the Browns organization. You let a guy go And I just don't know if you're going to find anybody else that wants to be in Cleveland, Ohio, as bad as Baker Mayfield did. Let's take a break. 30 more minutes left of hour number one here on the line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one, which means 30 more minutes here of hour number one right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Phone lines are open for you. I do want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. Join the show. Anything on your mind in the sports world Call in, talk to me about it, ask me a question. I'm probably going to ask you one, too. I want you to get involved right here on On The Line. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you want to talk about the Russian ping pong tournament or something, I don't care, whatever you want to talk about, call in. And let's talk about it. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. One of the biggest names out of the college football transfer portal has finally committed today as of this morning. He left the University of Southern California and he went to the University of Georgia. He played there, had a great short career, got hurt, got replaced, never saw the field again. He hits the transfer portal. Everybody's wondering where is he going to go? There were rumors about where he would go. Some rumors said Auburn. Most of them weren't that way, but some said Auburn. He finally decides. He calls up West Virginia this morning and says, I'm coming to town. It's JT Daniels, the, the star-studded quarterback. Again, he started at Southern Cal. He came to Georgia, started out hot, got hurt, got replaced, and never saw the field again. He is transferring to West Virginia And he will be, I mean, more than likely will be the starter uh, for West Virginia uh, this coming up football season. Let's just look at it this way. The guy is a great quarterback. He's a fantastic quarterback. And he was at Georgia. And he was the man at Georgia. But then he got hurt and got replaced. And Stetson Bennett came in and he was doing the exact same thing and sometimes even better. And so... Georgia and Kirby Smart said, well, we're not going to take this guy out because he's winning football games. And I think it was the right call. I understand that JT Daniels came there to be the starter. I understand that he had good games leading up to his injury. He came back. But once he came back, the new guy was doing the same thing. And so that was a tough decision for Georgia to have to make. Do you go back to the guy who started or do you go and stick with the guy that's in right now who has momentum? And when you look at it and you decide what to do and what's going to be best, not just for that player, but for the entire team and the entire football program, I think Georgia made the right call. Obviously, they made the right call. They won the national championship. But when you look at it in season, mid-season, what they had to do, yes, this guy was your starter, but he got hurt and for the however many weeks it was, Stetson Bennett was your guy. He was your quarterback, and he had been winning football games, and the team had adjusted to that. The team had adjusted to him being the new quarterback, especially the offense. The coaches had adjusted. The plays had adjusted. Right, They had changed some things around to make it work for him specifically, and this team was off and running. They looked extremely good coming down the stretch, and so did you really want to alter that again and derail that again and have to restart again? I don't think so. And so I think Georgia made the right call. It sucks to have to lose JT Daniels like they did, but it worked out because they won the national championship, their first one in 40-something years. And, yeah, you lose out on JT Daniels, but that's, I mean, that's a bullet you take a bite out of because you're now the national champions, and so... JT Daniels transferred from Georgia. He was in the transfer portal for a while, but you heard some good things about him and the things he was doing uh, when he was transferring, him going to different schools and, and not even wanting to really visit the school. He wanted to watch film and start learning and learning the offense to see if it was going to be an offense he liked to play in, that he wanted to be a part of, and ultimately he chooses West Virginia he will go to. He'll go to West Virginia, be in the Big Twelve. He will play. I would assume he would be the starter. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know who their quarterback situation is or what it looks like. So you don't. If you are JT Daniels and you go to West Virginia, you do not go there to be the backup. I will tell you that right now. So uh, JT Daniels going to West Virginia to be what? I, what would appear to be the starter. Uh, up there for West Virginia there were some rumors of him possibly coming to Auburn we talked about it a little bit on this show a while back again he's been in the transfer portal for a while Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with with waiting and finding out exactly where you want to be and where you want to go Uh, but we talked about what it would mean for Auburn if they had gotten JT Daniels but once they went after Zach Calzada and got him I think that was a 100% off the table Um, so it would have been cool. I think he just has the one year remaining of eligibility. So, you know, what what is he wanting to do? I think this move from JT Daniels to go to West Virginia, let's just be honest. West Virginia is not going to compete and be a, a college football playoff national title contender. Okay, they're just that's just not going to happen. But I think JT Daniels went to a place like West Virginia who can have an, an air raid type offense and he can display himself and put his skills to the test and be seen from everywhere and maybe build some draft stock. That would be my prediction and what my assumption is of what he is doing and why he would choose somewhere like West Virginia. I think he would go to either the Pac-12 or the Big 12 where the offenses obviously are the dominant forces on the football field and on the football team. Uh, where the quarterbacks are expected to step back and and throw it and air it out to star-studded receivers, have solid offensive lines, and be able to really show yourself at how good of a quarterback you can be. So I think that's why JT Daniels made this decision. He's going to go to West Virginia. He's going to throw for a ton of yards. He's going to have a ton of touchdowns. Okay, but this team, I mean, they're not going to be great. They may be solid and you probably will be with JT Daniels at the helm, but there's not as much talent for West Virginia as there are for Georgia, or even USC at this point. So again, I think he goes there to show off his NFL-style talent, develop just a little bit more, put the icing on the cake, and then try to go pro if that's still his goal. So uh, what were your reactions to JT Daniels transferring to West Virginia? Where'd you see, where did you want to see him go? Uh, did you have a preference, or did you even forget he was in the transfer portal? Because at times, I forgot, too, because he was in it for so long. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Your reactions to JT Daniels going to West Virginia – it's not it wasn't like groundbreaking news that he was going to West Virginia. You were like, "Really? Like West Virginia? Why?" you know? But it is a big deal because of how good JT Daniels is and how dominant he is and how skilled he is at the quarterback position and what he can do for a program. He takes West Virginia from a mediocre team to a team that is dangerous and can beat some teams in the Big 12. And so yeah, you're not going to be too worried about West Virginia, but the eyes will be on JT Daniels. He will be the star of that football team. He will be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, and he's going to go and and do his thing. And so, you know, good for him. I know a lot of Auburn fans are big fans of him uh, just because he played at Georgia. That's that seems to be how it goes around here uh, in the Auburn area, but. JT Daniels transferring to West Virginia. Auburn does not get him, but again, I just don't, I mean, they don't, I don't think they were even, they may have reached out just to see, maybe put out a feeler of, hey, are you even interested in this thing? But I don't think it went very far. So what does this mean? Um, JT Daniels, again, he's going to go and develop and show off his talent, try to go pro. West Virginia will be somewhat of a threat in the Big 12 not a threat for you know not a threat for a a playoff berth or a national title but you're just going to see you're going to see a lot of highlights from JT Daniels a lot of yards a lot of stats for him uh at West Virginia so good for him he is now out of the portal one down and about 1200 to go out of the transfer portal it has just exploded uh here in the offseason Auburn looking to attack the transfer portal a little bit as well. Uh, they still have some holes that they need to fill or would like to fill from the transfer portal. That is a year-round business now in college athletics, the transfer portal is. Uh, I've talked to some coaches at Auburn specifically about their process of what it means to be involved in the transfer portal and how they go and look at the transfer portal. They say it's an everyday battle. It is an everyday process to look at the transfer portal see who's there reach out to players that are in there work with them build relationships I mean they have talked about it is a every single day full time position I mean most of these programs now have literally hired people to just do the transfer portal just work on the transfer portal assistant coaches have been designated to just look at the transfer portal, that's their job, and that's how college athletics has changed. That's how it's changed over just the last few years. and especially still with the one-time transfer rules still in effect and still in place with a lot of these athletes, I think it's going to be even crazier. Eventually, I think it I, I say it could slow down, but once you add in the NIL to everything. I mean college athletics man they have just changed I mean drastically over the last 3 to 4 years and I don't think it's done changing but here is what I here's when I think about it and I try to think about what it's going to look like let's say 5 years from now okay 5 years from now I think between now and that 5 year period you're going to still see a lot more changes you're still going to see a lot more players enter and come out of the transfer portal and go to different schools and sign big NIL deals. NIL is its its own different ballgame, but they're both tied in together, right? And so between now and a five-year period that I'm looking at, I think you're going to still see a lot of changes, a lot more craziness, a lot more negativity come out of it as well, a lot more players use the portal to their advantage. But then... What my hope is, and I could be completely wrong. It may never do this. What my hope is, is in about five years or so, it'll kind of flatten out. Because if you're looking at this as a graph, right now it's a line graph and it's going, I mean, just a constant straight up. I mean, on a a line, it's just constantly increasing, constantly growing. Um, Nothing is slowing it down right now. But my hope would be that in about five years, instead of constantly going up, it's going to then flatten out and become a little plateau and and just have a solid number and a solid consistency for years to come. That's what I would hope because the more that this thing grows and the more that it evolves and the more that the rules change with the transfer portal and the NIL, it's going to become so much more complicated for players to want to come to college. I mean, that's a big one. I think it could get to the point where players, especially with like basketball, where you could go and play professionally overseas or go play in the G League and make money, eventually, I think it'll turn players away from wanting to go to college. And when you think about going to college, especially for these athletes, yes, it's for the sports, but you go to college to get the education. You go to college to get a degree. Because, yes, only... I mean, very, very few, it's like, I mean, it's like one or two percent of high school athletes go and play in college. And then, it's still like less than five percent of the college athletes go and become professionals. Like, it's so, it's such a low number to A, play a Division One college sport, and then B, to go from that Division One college sport to become a professional in whatever sport you're playing. That's already... A big time factor in players and 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 yeah, high school players wanting to go to college. Two, some people just don't want to go to college. You don't want to go back to school, that's fine. But when all of these rules continue to be to be put in place where of the transfer portal, the NIL, all the restrictions that are going to come of it, and just the craziness of it all, I think that's gonna turn a lot of people away from college as well. Especially with basketball where you can go to the g league go and play overseas and make more money than what you will at nil because let's be honest nil is great it's fantastic I, i'm glad i'm glad it's there i wasn't happy about it to start but i am happy now that i see the positive ways that it's working i like that but the negatives are, are kind of bad too but just the nil as a whole when you look at it it's the biggest of the big names that make big-time money. Suni Lee at Auburn makes a ridiculous amount of money. She's also a worldwide phenomenon, a superstar, an Olympian. She makes more money than she knows what to do with. But your random tight end for Auburn, yeah, he may have a, an NIL deal with a chicken finger place, and they may be paying him a couple hundred bucks a month, which is great. That's fine. He can do whatever he wants. But I'm saying, take basketball, for example. A player can just say, eh, I don't want to go to college. To heck with that. Let's go to the G League if I'm good enough, and let's make $100,000 a year, play some good basketball, and then go to the NBA. And so my point is, with the transfer portal and the NIL, they're intertwined. Don't let let anybody tell you they're not, because they are. They go hand in hand. They're only going to get crazier, but something's going to have to be done. Restrictions are going to have to come from this. Because it can't keep out, it can't keep getting out of control. Because eventually it will, eventually it will get out of control. And you want to know who says something along those lines? Think about and listen to what Nick Saban has to say. Look at what Nick Saban, the 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 highest level in all of college football, the highest respected guy in the entire NCAA football world. He has that kind of that same opinion. Uh, there was a quote. And he said that, um, he says the NIL and the transfer portal rules create a, quote, situation where you can basically buy players. And you can. That's what we've gotten to. Because with transfer portal and NIL, if you go one place and it doesn't work out, and you say, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else, another school can swoop in and say, well, we have X amount of dollars if you come here. We have X amount of dollars if you come here. We'll get you this if you come here. That's going down a really, really bad road. And this is why I didn't want it in the first place. There's some goods to it, but I think there's a lot more bads way on down the road. And if something doesn't get done, it's going to get really ugly. And college sports as we know it are going to be gone. And it's going to be a smaller version of professional sports. That's not what I want to see. There's a major difference in professional and college sports, and I want that line to be drawn because it's going to have to be because if not, it's just going to all intertwine. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up hour number one. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 3 o'clock break right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines still remain open. I want to hear from you guys. Anything on your mind in the sports world, give me a call. Let's talk about it. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you've had a topic on your mind and it's just itching at your brain and you want to talk to me about it, come on, man. Give me a call. I want to talk to you. 334-321-1390. First hour wrapping up here. We've talked about the NBA play-in games that happened last night. Um, Talked about the... Baker Mayfield situation in Cleveland and how he basically got screwed by the Browns and how they uh, just really mistreated Baker. You really hate to see that for him. So hopefully he ends up somewhere, uh, somewhere better for him. Uh, talked about JT Daniels going to West Virginia out of the transfer portal. And then I kind of went in on how the transfer portal and the NIL, uh, one, are intertwined and two... They're going to ruin college sports if they don't figure a way to regulate it somehow. It's going to get really ugly, in my opinion. So, uh, I talked about how I wanted to find a find a stopping point and then flatten out a little bit. So, we'll see if any of that happens. Um, as of right now, I don't think it will. I think it's just going to continue to grow and get nastier and uglier. And, um, you know, the players are going to take advantage, as they should. But the sports as a whole and college athletics as a whole are going to hurt extremely bad from it. Auburn baseball, they did win last night. I haven't just ignored it. They did win last night. Uh, Stick around in hour number two. Uh, At 3.30, I have Elizabeth Keene. She is the Mississippi State Bulldogs Sports Illustrated writer she will be on at 3.30 to talk about uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs and preview the series this weekend as Auburn and Mississippi State battle it out on the baseball diamond starting tomorrow they play Thursday Friday Saturday of course Easter being this Sunday so she will be on at 3.30 to talk about Mississippi State Uh, tell us about the Bulldogs and what to expect this weekend as Auburn travels to Starkville Hour number one, officially in the books. It's been a good one. It's been a quick first hour. Make sure you stick around. Hour number two coming up right here. You're listening to On The Line.
1: are on the line, live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at
0: 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one, officially in the books. Hour number two, officially underway right here on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope you're all doing well out there in the Auburn Opelika area across the state of Alabama. And anyone else listening, To the show, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope everybody's doing well, staying safe. Of course, here in the Auburn area, overcast skies today. Don't you worry, it's going to rain tomorrow. (laughs) Don't you worry, the spring here, uh, we've gotten a few days without the rain, but it is coming. It's supposed to rain overnight and through the morning tomorrow. So, I mean, I'm over it, man. I'm over it. I'm over the rain. I'm over the the mixture of the weather but it is Alabama so what do you expect right it's gonna rain tomorrow so take that as you will make sure you uh be prepared because it's gonna rain again so but again, I appreciate everybody tuning in here to the Wednesday edition of the show. If you missed any of our number one, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, talked a lot about NBA, college football, and the, and the state of the sport right now and where it's at. So if you missed any of that, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. Anything on your mind in the sports world. I do want to hear from you. Let's talk about it. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day is, where do you see the game of college football going in the next five years? That's my question to you guys. I think that was a great segment uh, to end our number one. I want to ask your opinion. Where do you see the game of, co- not just college football, but college athletics as a whole, where do you see it going in the next five years with the NIL, the transfer portal, and all of that tied in? Where do you see the game of college athletics going in the next five years? I want to, I want to hear from you guys and see what you think. Give me a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. If you have an answer, call me. If you have anything else, I want to hear from you as well. But let's start hour number two, like we always do, with making headlines. So, headline number one, uh, Auburn Baseball last night, they defeat Samford 4-1 to one in the non-conference midweek game. And, um... Great win! It was a great win for Auburn. They needed it. It was a good win against a good Sanford team. They uh, they get the four one victory. I believe that's what it was. And um, yeah, again, another good midweek victory. We've seen this Auburn team at times drop these midweek games. They did not. Uh, they defeat Sanford. It was four one last night. They gave up a run in the first, but then they blanked Sanford. After that, they pick up runs uh, throughout the ball game. Did Auburn? And that was it, 4-1 score, and a good a good bridge between the Vanderbilt series last weekend and the preview before they head down to Starkville this weekend to take on Mississippi State, uh, the defending national champions. Of course, they are not up to par with what they were last year, but, I mean, this is still a good baseball team, and it's a team you have to take seriously, especially on the road. So Auburn picks up the 4-1 victory over Samford, Auburn picked up a run in the third, the fifth, the seventh, and the eighth for a 4-1 victory. They they out-hit Sanford 8-4. Neither team had an error. And, uh, you know, Auburn, again, it was a good win. They needed it. We've seen at times Auburn drop these midweek games in the non-conference. They didn't again. They beat UAB last week. They beat Sanford this week. So they now, uh, with the win against Sanford they sit at 23 and 10 overall does Auburn they're 7 and 5 in the SEC and again they prepare to head to Starkville Mississippi they should be going tomorrow or they should be going today they play tomorrow so I would assume that they would be heading out today. They have a three-game series at Mississippi State uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Usually it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but of course this upcoming weekend, if you have forgotten, because I did until somebody told me this week, it is Easter Sunday coming up this uh, this Sunday. So to all of you that uh, you know that celebrate and recognize, uh, enjoy this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, hope you get to spend it with some family and such. But that is why Auburn is playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and not Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday. I'm going to be honest I had no idea Easter was coming up already until somebody was like are you going home for Easter it was actually my it was actually my dad he reached out and he said are you coming home for Easter and I said it's Easter <laughs> I just I, I've lost so such track of time uh, with everything going on but it is Easter weekend coming up so Auburn will play Mississippi State Thursday Friday and Saturday coming off of this 4-1 victory against Samford Make sure you stay tuned to today's show at 3.30. We are going to have Elizabeth Keene. She is the Mississippi State Sports Illustrated writer over in Starkville. She will be joining the show at 3.30 to talk to us all about this Mississippi State baseball team, how they've gotten to this point in the season, uh, what style of play do they have, and what to expect from this upcoming series against Auburn this weekend as the Tigers travel to Starkville to take on the Bulldogs. So really excited to have her on the show for the very first time. Uh, I've read some of her work on Sports Illustrated. She's a fantastic journalist. So excited to have her on and, and, and hear her, her thoughts about this upcoming series for Auburn at Mississippi State. So that will be at 3.30, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But Auburn Baseball, they pick up the 4-1 win against Sanford last night. They will head to Starkville this weekend to take on Mississippi State. Continuing now with Making Headlines, The NBA play-in games officially underway. Two games last night. I started hour number one talking about these, uh, and we will talk about it some here in hour number two. Last night you had two games, the seven and eight seeded games in the NBA play-in. For those of you that are unaware of how the NBA play-in works, I'll break it down real quickly. I've talked about it a few times, but just for anybody that doesn't understand or hasn't really known what this new play-in system is about, Instead of in the past, where it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight seeds in the east and in the west, now you have one through six solidified and in the NBA playoffs. And now seven, eight, nine, and ten, they are at a play-in tournament. And so the two winners out of those four teams on each side in the east and in the west, they go in to be the seven and eight seeds in the NBA playoffs. The seven and the eight play each other the winner of that goes in to be the 7 seed. The 9 and the 10 play each other and the winner of that plays the loser of the 7-8 who will then the winner of that game goes on to be the 8 seed. So, two of those games went down last night. Both 7-8 games went down last night. In the East, it was the Brooklyn Nets defeating the Cleveland Cavaliers 115 to 108. Brooklyn now into the Eastern into the Eastern conference playoffs they will be the seventh seed they will take on the two-seeded boston celtics uh, in the first round of the eastern conference playoffs cleveland uh, losing but they are still in it they will have to play the winner of tonight's game the charlotte hornets and the atlanta hawks the winner of that game goes to cleveland to play the Cavs. the winner of that game will go in to be the eighth seed they will get the matchup against the miami heat in the eastern conference playoffs the other game last night the Los Angeles Clippers visited the Minnesota Timberwolves. They, that's your also, that was your seven and eight seeded game. The Timberwolves, they beat the Clippers 109 to 104, despite their starters getting in some serious foul trouble along the way. Uh, their defense was really the, the, the difference maker. And I know it's crazy to say, defense in the NBA, are you crazy? Are you serious? Did that really happen? It did. It did happen. The defense showed up last night, and it, that's how it goes in the playoffs, in the postseason, especially in the NBA. They actually start to care a little bit, and they actually start to play a little defense. It is kind of crazy, but they do. And last night, by a score of 109-104, to 104, Minnesota... They defeat the Clippers 109-104. They move on to the 7th seed in the Western Conference playoffs. They will get the Memphis Grizzlies as the 2 seed and Timberwolves as the 7th seed. What a fantastic matchup that's going to be with just a young, gritty Grizzlies team and John Morant who has who has really just exploded and become one of the best players in all of the NBA to match matchup against the the uh, the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns the young Anthony Edwards who has really shown off his skills so far this season what a fantastic 7-2 matchup that's going to be over in the west the Clippers since they lost they will now play the winner of tonight's matchup the Spurs and the Pelicans both of those teams tender games or more below 500 the winner of that game tonight They'll travel to LA, take on the Clippers, winner of that game, goes on to be the eighth seed, and their uh, welcoming gift to the playoffs is the best team in the league, the Phoenix Suns, who are the best team in the league by about eight games. So that's what's at stake in the NBA playoffs and in the NBA play-in games going on around the league. Two games tonight, again, they will go on to play the losers of last night. So that you could kind of think about it that way. The two games tonight, whoever wins will play the losers from last night, and then that winner will go on to be in the playoffs at the eighth seed on their respected side. Uh, and then So that game will be on Friday. Okay, those two games will be on Friday. The ultimate play in game for the last playoff spot will be on Friday. And then the playoffs get going on Saturday. I'm so excited for the NBA playoffs to get underway. Again, I know I've talked about this, but It's one of the few things that's going on right now in the sports world, actually playing-wise. The postseason is getting underway. NHL is right around the corner. They're a couple weeks out uh, from getting started in their postseason as well. But NBA rolling on. The official playoffs will start on Saturday. It's crazy that these play-in games are not considered playoff games. Uh, This does not count as playoff experience. This does not count as playoff numbers for any of these teams and these players. I think that's ridiculous. If you watched last night's games and you watched how the arenas reacted and you watched how the teams reacted at Minnesota Timberwolves, they treated it like it was a playoff game. And it I mean and I think it was. I consider it a playoff game. So whether the stats in the history books say it was or not, yeah, whatever. I think it is. And I say at the Minnesota Timberwolves because they were getting dragged all over social media and on the TV shows because after defeating the Clippers last night, I mean, they treated it like they had just won the NBA Finals, man. They really did. They were running around the court, ripping their jerseys off, jumping into the stands, I mean, doing some crazy stuff. You know, credit to them. They won the ball game in a, in a tough game uh, on their home floor. They were celebrating. They're in the playoffs. I get that. That's totally fine. But it did seem to be a little bit over the top when it comes to what was really at stake and how they just, all they did was win a playing game. They didn't even win a series. Now they won that game just to get to the playoffs. And so uh, I just thought it was funny, man. You can't, you can't harp on people for celebrating because they did win an important game, but they were treating it like they had just won the NBA finals. And all they did was get into the playoffs. So take that as you will. But again, the Timberwolves you're in and you get the Memphis Grizzlies going to be a fantastic series Uh, on the Eastern side. With Brooklyn winning last night, they match up with the Boston Celtics. Holy smokes. What an absolute, I mean, just a dime of a, of a series we're going to have in the East. I think it'll be a six or seven game series. I really do. I think Boston's a better team, top to bottom. Uh, they have just so many athletes and so many scores on that team. Plus, they actually play this the sacred word of defense in the NBA. They're one of the best defensive teams. I think they're like a top three defensive team in all of the NBA. So I think that will really uh, that will really help them against the Brooklyn Nets. When you watched the game last night between Brooklyn and Cleveland, Yes, the Nets won. They won 115-108. to But when you look at it, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant had to play their best basketball to do so. Kyrie went off for 34 points, 12 of 15 from shooting. He started out 9 for 9. Okay, He started out 9 for 9 from the field. He ended up 12 and 15 with 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Kevin Durant, 25 points, 9 of 16 shooting, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. I mean, those guys played 41 minutes, and they had, I mean, they combined for 59 points, 59 of the 115 that Brooklyn scored. So, I mean, they they were over half of what Brooklyn scored, and yet they only beat the Cavs by, you know, by seven points. So, what does that say about this Brooklyn team moving forward, I think they're going to struggle and I think they're going to struggle when they run into a team that actually plays some defense and that's who the Boston Celtics are. They play defense and they also can score the basketball and Brooklyn does not play the best defense. So I think the Nets are going to struggle, but they have two of the best players in the entire league, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So they, they're going to be able to hang around. I mean, they're, they're just going to be able to hang around because when you have those two guys, two stone cold killers on your basketball team, You've got a chance every game you play. So that's the situation going on in the NBA right now. One more headline uh, here on making headlines on the first segment of hour number two of On the Line. JT Daniels, the Georgia quarterback standout. He is transferring. Of course, he's been in the portal for a while. He is transferring, and he called up West Virginia this morning and said, hey, I'm coming. So he will be going to West Virginia. He will more than likely be the starter up there uh, in the Big 12 so you know good to see him go somewhere uh, where he's going to be able to showcase his skills and go to an offense where he's just going to be able to draw back and air it out more times than not and really be able to showcase his arm I see him having a lot of a lot of yards a lot of stats a lot of touchdowns so I I would have assumed he would go to either the Pac-12 or the Big 12 just somewhere where he could go and and air it out and really show off his arm and and what he can do decision-making-wise in the pocket. So I think he picked a great spot. He picked a a great conference for him to go to. So we'll see what he does. Again, West Virginia probably not going to be a playoff contender, a national championship threat, but they're going to be a tough team to play in the Big 12. And I wouldn't want to mess with them, especially with JT Daniels. They're always going to be in the game uh, if you're West Virginia and and their opponents. You've got to prepare for a high-level quarterback behind the center and in the pocket. So, Again, JT Daniels heading to West Virginia. He's been in the portal for a while. He got replaced at Georgia after getting hurt and never saw the field again. And he is now heading to West Virginia as a transfer quarterback for this upcoming season. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'd love for you to join the show. Come in, talk to me, anything on your mind. I want to hear from you, anything from making headlines, something else that I haven't talked about and you want to hear, you know, you want to talk about it and bring it up. Please do. I want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, my show producer, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll have a few more minutes before the bottom of the hour. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. We've got about eight more minutes Before we head to the bottom of the hour break. And once we come back from that. We have a guest on the show. Her name is Elizabeth Keene. Sorry about that. Her name is Elizabeth Keene. She is the Sports Illustrated writer for Mississippi State over in Starkville. Uh, I found her on Twitter. I read read through some of her articles. And um, she knows her stuff. I'm really excited to have her on. She's going to come on and and, uh, talk about. The Mississippi State Bulldogs baseball team. Kind of give us and and you guys, the listeners, uh, give you a little context of what this baseball team is like, how they play, uh, how they how they've been doing so far this season. For anybody that hasn't just kept up with Mississippi State as hard as she probably has, so. She'll come on, give you all of that information, plus what to expect from the weekend series as Auburn baseball travels to Starkville for Game 1 tomorrow. So a perfect day to have her on, and uh, looking forward to it as she will be on coming up at 3.30. So make sure you stay tuned right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are still open, though, before she comes on. Then they will be closed, and then you can call in after that if you are... If you come up with something on your mind that you want to talk about, because I do want to hear from you. I love when you guys get involved and and listeners call in. Uh, I really do. I want to talk to you guys. So make sure you give me a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I saw a graphic on Twitter today and it was put up by Jay Billis. Of course, he is... One of the best college basketball analysts on ESPN. Does a ton of color commentary uh, for ESPN broadcasts. He does college game day for the basketball edition. He knows this stuff. He is one of the most respected college basketball analysts in the game right now. Of course, he played at Duke um, you know, a while back in his college career. He played at Duke and you know played for Coach K. But now he is just a big-time college basketball analyst for ESPN. He put up his graphic today of his mock draft board for the current college basketball players going into the NBA draft and who his top picks were. And I've seen a ton of these mock drafts everywhere. And the top two and three has really been rotating around. But Jay Billis, and I respect him a lot, I really do. I respect his opinion and what he has to say. I don't always agree with everything, but I agreed with this one. He has Jabari Smith going number one overall in his NBA mock draft. Doesn't mean that's what's going to happen, but he believes that Jabari Smith of Auburn will be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, and I do too. I think he should be at least. I could see Paolo Bancaro going number one overall. I really could, especially with the run that he and Duke made in the NCAA tournament. I think that obviously has a, a big impact on on his draft stock, and it did have a big impact on his draft stock just because he got about three or four more games to show off than Jabari Smith did. And that's just, that's what the draft, you know, people see that's what the nba teams see they got to see him do more damage in the in the ncaa tournament but when you really look at it they're two different players and i've talked about this before there are two different players and of course the nba draft is not until a uh, june i think it's late june maybe like the 28th or something 22nd something like that um so it's not until then it's not until late june but um it's still fun to talk about who we think is going to go number one, and it still has to do with what teams are looking for. It depends on if if this certain team is looking for a Jabari Smith-type player or are you looking for a Palo Banqueiro-type player or are you looking for a Chet Holmgren-type player because all three of those guys, and that's what makes this top three so unique, is all three of them are different types of players. Chet Holmgren, of course, he is the the unbelievably tall and athletic big man who can shoot but I think can be developed I think he has a smooth stroke and obviously his height will get him places in the NBA he's kind of the same situation as Walker Kessler though I think he can definitely handle the basketball better than Walker can but he's gonna have to put on a little bit of meat and be able to step out and shoot the three but I think he has that potential more than Walker Kessler does but he's going to the draft too and of course he has a late first round projection right now You look at Paolo Bancaro; he is more of your put your shoulder down, put the ball on the floor, and let's try to get to the rack and finish hard at the rim, through contact, get to the free-throw line, Uh, can pull up when he needs to, shoot off the dribble uh, at times, you know, catch-and-shoot type player. But he is your more physical, you know, downhill type of basketball player, bulldozes his way in to the lane, bully basketball, if you will. That is Bal- Palo Bancaro's type of basketball. But he can knock down the jumper when he needs to, which is big time for a player like him, if he gets shut down going to the basket, or just, you know, stop, pull up and knock it down from the mid range. That is your Palo Bancaro type player. And then of course, most of the listeners here, you all know what type of player Jabari Smith is. Catch and shoot, give him the basketball, get out of the way, let him go one-on-one, and he's just going to pull up and shoot it straight over you. Doesn't matter how tall you are. Doesn't matter how close you are defending him. He's just going to pull up and bury it right in your mouth, and he's going to talk some smack on the way back down the floor. That's what Jabari Smith gives you uh, if you're an NBA team. He gives you just a pure shooting stroke, but I think he's going to have to develop more of a game. If you could combine for the perfect player – if you could combine Jabari and Paolo Bancaro, that would be dirty because Jabari Smith's comparison right now, early comparison, is, those, is the likes of Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is one of the best shooters in all of basketball. One of the best shooters to ever live. The guy has just the purest, smoothest stroke you're ever going to see. But when he has to, He can put the ball on the floor and get to the rack. He can finish through contact. He can drive around somebody, get around a defender, make a play for himself. And Jabari Smith just isn't doing that. He didn't do that this year. Every now and then. Every now and then. But he's not making plays for himself. Jabari, he wants to get isolated on one side of the floor at the high post, maybe in the short mid-range. And he wants everybody else to get out of the way so he can shoot over somebody. That's not going to work in the NBA, and you saw where that weakness comes in and where the weakness of that style of play is when, you're, when you have an off-shooting night. We saw Jabari have multiple off-nights shooting the basketball, and that happens, but when you're not shooting the ball well, physically shooting, like shooting jump shots, you have to be able to score in other ways. Put the ball on the floor, go to the rack, and he's such a good shooter and he's such a consistent shooter that free throws will be his best friend in the NBA. He's one of the best free throw shooters when, he's, when he you know gets his feet set, takes his time, takes a deep breath. When he does all that, it's literally nothing but net. Nothing but net. And so in the NBA, Jabari Smith, the free throw is going to be his best friend when he's not shooting the ball. And to shoot free throws, you got to get fouled. The best way to get fouled, take the ball to the rack. Jabari Smith, He should be your number one overall pick. We still have a little bit until we find out. Stay tuned. We have a guest coming on right after this. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I appreciate everybody tuning in here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've held off talking about Auburn baseball long enough, but we've got to talk about their opponents as they travel to Mississippi State this weekend We have a new guest on the show, and I'm excited to hear from her for the first time. Elizabeth Keene, the Sports Illustrated writer for Mississippi State over in Starkville. Elizabeth, welcome in.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So we want to talk to you about, of course, Mississippi State baseball. We've had the the trend this year where... Auburn's upcoming SEC opponents we try to find a writer bring them on to preview the opponent because let's be honest you're going to know more about it than we do uh, especially with the opponents so first question to you is this Mississippi State baseball team 19 and 15 overall four and eight in the SEC how did they get to this point in the season after winning a national championship last year
1: um I will say we did lose a lot of key pieces from last year's roster. And then this year, right early in the season, we lost Landon Sims and Stan Simmons. We lost Casey Hunt for a while. He's coming back, which I think will be huge. But it's just been a matter of inconsistency. Um, We'll struggle at the plate one day and be really good pitching, and then the next day it'll be 10 walks, but we'll score 10 runs, but you can't keep up has been extremely inconsistent especially in sec play
0: well you talk about sec play the series that they've had they're four and eight so far what would you say is the biggest struggle that they've had obviously you talk about the inconsistencies but if you had to put it on one thing what would be the biggest struggle so far for this mississippi state baseball team in sec play specifically
1: probably um getting runners home from base when there's less than two outs There's been plenty of situations, especially lately, where there will be runners on base, even on, like, second and third in scoring position with one out or no out, and it'll result in a strikeout or not a far enough hit ball to where anyone can tag up. I mean, that and then walking, walking batters from the mound. Our pitchers have just, that's something they've really struggled with, especially one of our weekend starters who will not be starting this weekend.
0: Talking to Elizabeth Keene, the Sports Illustrated writer for Mississippi State, having her on to preview uh, the series this weekend as Auburn baseball travels to Mississippi State. This team coming off of getting swept at home against LSU, 2-5, 3-4, and 3-13. That was your final scores for this Mississippi State team at home against LSU. What happened in that series for Mississippi State?
1: Friday night was a complete collapse. We had the two-to-one lead, two outs, bottom of the ninth, two strikes. And our pitcher was um, a guy named Jackson Fristo. He's been pretty good at points and then pretty bad at other points. And he had been playing really well for the few innings he'd been in. And then all of a sudden, he had two strikes and two outs, nobody on. Simple out would have won the first game, and he collapsed. He started walking guys, hitting guys, and they ultimately got four runs with one out left in the inning, and we just simply couldn't score on them. Saturday, gave up a three-run home run early in the first inning, pulled our starting pitcher from there, and then held them to one run from there, but then when we get get in scoring position with one out or even no out, it would be a strikeout, a strikeout, another strikeout. It was really bad on the um really both sides that day then sunday i just i don't even know about that one the starting picture k smith did not have the best day which is kind of unusual for him but i guess every pitcher is going to have a bad day from time to time and it just kind of slipped away and from there it was just over with
0: Talking to Elizabeth Keane, the sports illustrated writer for the Mississippi State Bulldogs over in Starkville, looking at that Sunday game for Mississippi State in that LSU matchup where they lost 13 to 3. Seems like that's one of those games where it you know, we talk about it all the time. It's baseball, and those games happen. You know, Auburn dropped a game against Vanderbilt last weekend. They gave up nineteen runs. Those games kind of just happen. And so moving into the series coming up this weekend. Before we ask you what your preview is between Auburn and Mississippi State, what is the style of play for this Mississippi State baseball team up to this point in the season?
1: Believe it or not, um, there's been a lot of adjustments pitching-wise and defensively-wise, so I don't think everything's really been completely figured out. Um, Offensively, definitely more of a home run team than we have been in the past, maybe last two years, I'd say struggling to get base hits but though do the runs we do get normally come from hitting one out of the park which is not ideal in those situations
0: and so now that they have auburn coming to town what is the what's the initial scouting report on auburn as they come to starkville for a three game series starting tomorrow
1: um i'd say this is a must win for us i think The guy y'all refer to, Sonny D, I mean, he's pretty infamous now. He's going to be a big guy to watch out for for y'all. As for us, we've made some changes yesterday. um, We struggled a lot at center field having someone who can get good at bats. Great defense, but not very good at bats. So we moved our third baseman, Cameron James, out to center field yesterday, put in Slate Alford, who's a freshman. Um, He's a hard hitter, but he is young. I imagine we'll roll with that again tomorrow. And then pitching-wise, we have Preston Johnson and Cade Smith still coming up. And then Lamona said last night in our press conference after UAB that TBA will be back on the mound. We will not have Stanette starting this weekend. I imagine it will be Brandon Smith, though.
0: So talking to Elizabeth Keene, the Sports Illustrated writer for the Mississippi State Bulldogs, what's the expectation what's the feel around this baseball program for mississippi state uh, as it seems like they're reeling a little bit as of late what's their what's the mindset coming into this auburn series this weekend in starkville
1: it's a must win it really is um i think the postseason grip is starting to slip away whether we want to admit it or not um different project- projections some have us in as a third or fourth seed and then others don't even have us making it to the NCAA tournament this year we've got to start getting SEC wins we cannot slip the 410 411 we need to get a series um because I'm correct we've lost three series so far this year one of which is we've been swept we've only won one and we did not sweep that one
0: well it seems like you know, with a team that's really like it is, this could be a series for Mississippi State coming home and, you know, or staying at home at least and having a good team like Auburn. This could be a team where you could kind of get your mojo back if you're Mississippi State. So it should be an exciting series. Uh, we want to say good luck to you covering the series this weekend. We appreciate Thank your you. time. Elizabeth, tell everybody where they can uh, keep up with you and your work as you cover Mississippi State for Sports Illustrated.
1: You can keep up with me on the – find my articles on the Sports Illustrated Mississippi State site, and I'm also pretty active on Twitter at Elizabeth F. Keen, K-E-E-N.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Have a great weekend, and I hope to talk to you soon.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
0: That was Elizabeth Keene of the Sports Illustrated for Mississippi State. She is one of their writers. She covers the Bulldogs over in Starkville, so we appreciate her and her time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. There's no doubt that Mississippi State team is, I mean, they're they're desperate for a win, and it's, it's a major drop-off from, from the team last year that won it. They won it all. They were your national champions last year in college baseball. This is a team that, is struggling for SEC wins not just series wins just even single game wins in the SEC and so if you're Auburn and you're going on the road to a team like this if you take Mississippi State off the jersey and off the uniform and it's just a normal team you are extremely excited and confident Coming into this series, especially coming off a series win against Vanderbilt at your home place last weekend and picking up the weekend or the uh excuse me, the midweeks the midweek game against Sanford. This Auburn team should feel extremely good about themselves coming into this series against Mississippi State. You're looking for a series win. Doesn't have to be a sweep, but it can be, right? It can be, but you're on the road. It's still Mississippi State, one of the best baseball programs in the country on a consistent basis this is a series for auburn this is a win like you've got to have this as a win on your on your resume this season because this team they are they're reeling they're struggling as of late is mississippi state so if you're auburn you've got to pounce Right? You've got to pounce. When the gazelle's got a wound and you're the tiger, you got to go after it. And that's exactly what this weekend is. So I look for Auburn to really get the bats working, take advantage of, like Elizabeth was talking about, the questionable pitching so far from Mississippi State. Auburn can do one thing, they can hit the baseball, just flat out hit it. They got to do that this weekend. Continue to have dominance on the mound from their starting pitchers. Obviously, last Saturday was not the case, but that's just one of those games in baseball, right? Auburn, this should be a big-time series for them to come together and get at least two wins. A sweep is possible this weekend if you're Auburn, which is crazy to say on the road at Mississippi State. You have that option. You do. You have that option and that opportunity to do that. Big-time series on the road at Mississippi State this weekend, Auburn baseball traveling to Starkville to try to take on or not try to take on to try to beat Mississippi State at their home place should be a fantastic series uh starting tomorrow Friday and Saturday of course with Sunday being Easter Sunday big thank you to Elizabeth Keene again she is the the writer for Sports Illustrated over in Starkville covering the Mississippi State Bulldogs so we appreciate her time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line let's take a break we'll come back and wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. We've got about six minutes or so before we get out of here. Wrapping up hour number two, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On The Line. Make sure you stay tuned. 4 o'clock, it'll be Bill Cameron and Dan Pack with the drive right here from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. So make sure you stay tuned. They'll have all your your uh, updated sporting news for Auburn football and everything else going on in the sports world. So make sure you stay tuned for the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We just had Elizabeth Keene, the Sports Illustrated writer for Mississippi State. She just joined the show to talk about Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, and their baseball team, uh, how they got to this point in the season, uh, the drop-off from last season's World Series, or not the World Series, the championship, their uh, national championship series win last year, Mississippi State winning it last year, and then this year uh, struggling as of late. They're 4-8 in the SEC. So she came on to talk about how they got to this point in the season, uh, what to expect in their series this weekend against Auburn as the Auburn baseball team travels to Mississippi State to have a three-game series tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. So if you missed any of that or any other parts of the show today, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded following today's show. So make sure you go and find the podcast on the line wherever you get your podcast. If you want to call in last minute here to close the show, phone lines are still open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'd love for you to join the show. Come in, talk to me for a minute about anything you're on your mind in the sporting world. We've talked about the NBA play-in games last night and today, what they mean, what the state of the NBA is in and how the playoff system, the new playoff system is working. Uh, JT Daniels officially going to West Virginia. He's been in the transfer portal for a while. Uh, He called West Virginia this morning and let them know he was coming, so he will go to West Virginia. Um, Auburn Baseball, they get the 4-1 victory last night against the Sanford Bulldogs, so another big win for them as they get ready to travel to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. And again, uh, Jay Billis has Jabari Smith as his number one overall pick in the NBA draft, so... That's a good sign if you're Auburn fans, especially if you're Auburn recruits, because now, I mean, Jabari's going to go top three, right? He's going to go top three, which would be the highest ever, because Isaac Okoro went fifth in his NBA draft, which was insane, which was crazy, not in the fact that he shouldn't have gone that high, the fact that I just didn't ever expect to see an Auburn basketball player go that high. He did. And so Jabari is is more than likely going to overtake that record by Isaac Okoro. But Jay Billis, of course, one of the most respected ESPN college basketball analysts that there is. He has Jabari going first overall in his mock draft. And then, of course, we had Elizabeth Keen on in the last segment talking about Mississippi State baseball. It's been a great show. It really has. So, again, if you missed any of it, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Final take for today... On this Wednesday edition, we've got about three minutes here left of the show. Um, Man, I'm trying to think of what my final take for today could be when it comes to... I'm going to go with the NBA. I know I've talked about it a lot. It is, in my opinion, it's the biggest thing going on right now because it's the playoffs. It's the beginning of the playoffs in the NBA. My final take is I think this year's NBA playoffs... Are going to be some of the best we've seen in a long time. I think the teams top to bottom on both sides in the East and in the West, I think, I just think it's going to be great competition. You're looking at the East right now Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, Chicago, Brooklyn, and then either Cleveland, Atlanta, or Charlotte. Any of those teams can do some serious damage in the playoffs in the East. I think there's probably four or even five teams that could legitimately go to the NBA Finals. Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Yes, Brooklyn. I think if they get hot, they have some of the best players in all the league. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They can go and make all the way to the Finals. And then on the West, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, Denver, Minnesota, And then more than likely, the Clippers. And so from there, you've got three teams that I think can legitimately make a run in the playoffs. Phoenix, Memphis, and Golden State. I think all of the series are going to be good. You're going to see very, very few sweeps. I think maybe one sweep the whole postseason. I think you're going to see one sweep. And it's whoever Phoenix has to play in the first round. I think they're going to sweep whoever that is. Unless they play the Clippers. They may not sweep the Clippers. So you may not even see a sweep. There's my final take. Of the NBA playoffs, you will not see a single sweep all postseason long in the NBA playoffs. I think it's going to be that good. I think teams... I mean, you may see some 4-1s, right? You may see some 4-1 series. But I think that all of the teams that are going to be in this year's NBA playoffs are all legitimate teams, and they all have a reason to be there. They all have a right to be there, and I think all of the series are going to be good. I think the matchups are going to be really good. There's a lot of good young players in this league right now. You've got John ja Morant doing his thing in Memphis, right? You've got the Boston Celtics with the young studs that they've got going on. Miami with the new guys they have, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry in Miami as the one seed. I mean, I just think you got Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and James Harden. Just a lot going on in the NBA. I think it's in a really good spot right now. I think it's in a really good spot. And so my final take today is in this NBA playoffs, you will not see a single sweep in any series. You're not going to see a sweep. Maybe some 4-1s, right? Maybe some 4-2s, but you're not going to see a 4-0 sweep the entire NBA playoffs. That's my final take on the Wednesday edition of On The Line. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Go find the podcast On The Line, wherever you get your podcasts. See you tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.